Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes at your favorite theme parks? Well, you're about to find out. So pull the harness all the way over your shoulders till it reaches your lap. Keep arms and legs inside the train at all times. And hold on, because it's time for the Theme Park Legends Podcast with your host, Steve Honeycutt. What's up, Theme Park Adventurers? It's time for another episode of Theme Park Legends, the show that takes you behind the magic of your favorite theme parks. I'm your host, Steve Honeycutt. Now, many performers in the theme park world are faced with a tough question. Once you attain the role and contract you've been auditioning for all these years, and you've performed that role over and over to the point that you dream about it in your sleep, you eventually ask yourself, what now? Do I stay within the stable, known confines of the theme park world, or do I venture out into the unknown, hoping to find my way to the next level? Well, that's exactly what today's guest, Trevor Dion Nicholas, did. After years of singing at Disney World and Universal Japan, he eventually finds his way to Broadway. Yes, that Broadway, the one in New York City, starring as Genie in Disney's Aladdin. Trevor tells us what it takes to go from theme parks to Broadway in this episode that's sure to leave you feeling inspired. So let's not waste any more time. I can feel the bright lights and stage calling my name. So let's go to my interview with Trevor Dion Nicholas. Ladies and gentlemen, with me today, all the way from London, England, is Trevor Dion Nicholas. Trevor, how's it going today? Good, good, good. Yeah, really nice. Yeah. How's it been over there? How's the uh, lockdown situation? <laughs> <laughs> Wild. Um, London, we're, we're in a kind of a unique uh, situation similar to, not as severe, but similar to uh, New York where they've really mm-hmm. shut the city down. So it's been very dead. Um, and it's right. been a lot of time just at home. Um, and I'm definitely uh, losing a sense of sanity with that. <laughs> Aren't um, we all? And they keep extending our lockdown. And so initially it was supposed to it was supposed to be three weeks and they added three more weeks. And now I don't know where we are in it. I think they added another three. Um, But I think I've been I think it's been eight weeks now that I've been like held up in the house (laughs) and uh, uh, making making limited runs to uh, for like food and uh, those type of things. Uh, And uh, just definitely uh, trying to hold on to sanity the best that I possibly can. But I can't. T- I couldn't tell you right now if I've succeeded or not. You want to know what keeps me sane, Trevor? Do tell. Talking about theme parks. Ah, and yes, I yes, hear yes. Uh, you've worked in a few. Do you remember the first theme park you ever worked in? Uh, the first theme park I ever worked in mm-hmm. uh, was, uh, yeah, it was uh, Walt Disney World Florida at uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom. Um, and that was the first one I ever worked in. Very nice. Well, before we get too deep into that, I'd like to know, do you remember the first theme park you ever went to as a guest? Oh, absolutely. Um, honestly, I couldn't tell you if it was my first one. It's my strongest memory of any like amusement park in general. I'll and take that it. Is uh, <laughs> Kennywood in uh, in Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh, and it was they had like all these all these old uh, wooden coasters at the Ooh, time. Nice. And like I have these deep, these deep, deep memories of it. And so like Kennywood Park, um, and they were who were they owned by? Who were they owned by? Hershey, maybe? No. No? That's just a guess. I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember. Because I've also Mm. also been to to Hershey Park plenty as well. But um, what's interesting is Kennywood is located 
in uh, a very special city in uh, Pennsylvania, and that is West Mifflin, Pennsylvania. Hmm. And so it's like it's just a little southeast from where Pittsburgh is. But like I have like these, it's like uh, I think it was esta- it was established like pre nineteen hundred. It hmm. may have been like just before like eighteen ninety nine, wow, something like that, eighteen ninety eight. But it's it's this old this old old park that they still like i mean they've updated now there's like some steel coasters and stuff sure. and there's like but like they're uh they have they still have some of their like original old coasters like the the jackrabbit's still there nice. uh the racer's still there the thunderbolt is still there and they're these like these old wooden roller coasters that i used to ride with my siblings and my dad over and over and over again and like nice. until until it was time to to throw up and go home <laughs> <laughs> that's great uh when was the last time you went there i went to kennywood in 2018 nice. and i know that because i was on tour with uh no it would have been before that it would have been the year before that 2017 2017 was the last time i went to kennywood mm-hmm. because i'd gone home to visit my parents and i took the road trip up to kennywood before flying back to london very nice that's awesome yes it's my goal someday to return to uh bush gardens williamsburg which is a yes. uh, park that's very close to my heart as well i know um, it well i know it well yeah yes. my, my dad worked there and um we got to go there like i mean that's where i spent my summers basically as like mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. 13 or 14 year old my mom would drop us off and we would just Stay there, as you said, till it's time to throw up and go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would just eat whatever, ride everything you possibly could, run around like a crazy person. The arcades were always my favorite. Like oh I my, me too. Oh my gosh. So much coinage. Because, I mean, basically, all right, you know, if you have a season pass uh, like we did, mm-hmm. obviously, because we got in for free, you've already rode the rides like a million times. So what do you do? Go in and blow all your money on Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter 2. Yes. Oh my God. Yes, Absolutely. Simpsons arcade game, oh yeah, X Men arcade game, oh yes, uh, that Ninja Turtles, that that four, any of the the four, the four four, four player smashems yeah. were like those were my those were my like favorite go tos. The, oh, uh, the Avengers one was fantastic. Where like Captain America's like yelling through the entire yeah. game. <laughs> no, like, are, don't are, move <laughs> and stuff like that. Yes, America Avengers. needs yeah. your help. Oh, yes. that yes. is a classic. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. I secretly want to have a video game podcast someday, but uh, but for now we're talking <laughs> about. Know. I'm in. I'm yeah, in. I'm in. I'm yeah, in. for sure. So, what brought you to Florida before you started your career in theme parks? Um, well, and so I was going to WVU. I'm from Morgantown, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was going to WVU. And uh, as I was finishing up in 2005, uh, I genuinely overlapped. Like I had an audition, like I went to, I can't remember which one it was, but it was one of the auditions where you go and like, there's like, okay, you're going to audition for as many like companies as possible. There's all these companies there and like a bunch of summer stock shows and like uh, some theme parks were there and stuff. Sure. And I, and I had gone and uh, I went and I sang and uh, there was like a brief dance call and uh, where I stood in the back and tried to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, but then they, um, so like I had a few callbacks from that and that ended up with a few offers and one of them was uh where i met someone who i is i still consider uh, a dear friend of mine uh mm-hmm. mike corcus who was uh uh casting for uh festival of the lion king and animal nice. kingdom and so he was he was casting for a few things at disney but um mike and i kept a, a good relationship mm-hmm. from then for like 
almost a solid decade, honestly. And like to the point where it's still like, if we are in touch, we'll still like say hi. And like, it was such, it was so sweet. Cause he was, he was really like, he knew I was young cause I was coming straight out of school, mm-hmm. but he, we, we had a good rapport and we, we chatted and we laughed and he took me through some of the material. And then I drove back to uh, West Virginia. I drove back to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I think it was maybe not that long. Honestly, I think it was maybe a month later. I got the phone call. I'm like, hey, um, we, uh, we'd like to move you to Florida oh, wow. and, uh, and have you come in as one of the key UMAs in Festival of the Lion King. And so that was, Festival, that was in 2005, mm-hmm. um, in May of 2005. So it was literally like I was leaving before school had finished. Like I was leaving early. Wow. Uh, to go so that I could make the move in the rehearsal dates. And like, that's how, that's how I got my equity card. So I uh, joined the union straight out of college. And that was all through uh, this, this big cattle call audition where uh, Mike Corcus from uh, Disney Entertainment plucked me out. Mm-hmm. So you basically just uh, wowed them with your vocal abilities then, huh? <laughs> I guess so. Oh. I guess so. There were no second thoughts. You were just like, yep. Going to Florida, like what was your uh, feeling at the time? I've always traveled around a lot, mm-hmm. and I had uh, I had had a couple other professional performance gigs before that. So, like mm-hmm. while I was in school, I left for a semester to uh, I did the the international tour actually of Big River because we went through Canada as well. Mm-hmm. But like sat on a bus and went all over the country and through Canada on tour. And that was when I was 19. And then when I was 20, I lived in Germany for six months and did a show there. So I was already kind of comfortable with the idea of like, okay, in this career, uh, in this performance career, you're going to bounce all over the place and you're going to go, go here and go there. And like, so I was like, okay, this is just the next, the next, the next thing. This is the next step, the next move. So I I packed my stuff up and uh, got in. What did I drive then? I can't remember. It was a Toyota Camry. Ah. And so I got in my Toyota Camry and my mom came with me and we oh, got in the nice. car. We had all my stuff in the back mm-hmm. and we made the drive down because we we're like, I'm going to need my car when I get there. And like, because mm-hmm. we were familiar because we used to go to, we used to go to Disney World like frequently as a kid. We sure. try and go like maybe like once every other year, but we would make, we would, there's one time where we made the drive down and I remember that like me, I'm the youngest of five. Mm-hmm. So me, my four siblings, uh, my brother's wife at the time and my parents all in a van driving <laughs> to Orlando, Florida from Morgantown, West Virginia. And so like, but like I was familiar with the parks. I was familiar with this. So I was excited to get to work there. I was excited to be a part sure. of it. And my mom was like, well, come on, I'll come with you. My dad was working, but she's like, I'll come with you. So we made this drive down. We get there, get me moved in. Um, and I start rehearsals. And like, it was just, uh, it was just off to the races from that point. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, when did you uh, get the performer bug? Um, like, did Ooh. your parents force you into singing or uh, no, no, how did no, it go no, down? No. <laughs> um, I don't think my parents have much of a choice. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my dad has always been a singer. And so I had my I always have memories of him performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was part of it. And I used to get up and sing with him and stuff. But when I was about eight years old, uh, my I was I was definitely like a, a, a very energetic and uh, <laughs> over the top talkative child. So you were born so my, with it. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So my parents were as opposed to trying to like suppress it, which I'm grateful for at this point. Uh, they tried to like aim it in, in a direction that was useful. So my dad uh, ended up taking me down to the the Monarch Center at the time, Montgomery Arts Center in uh, Morgantown, and uh, put me in an improv theater class. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that was my first time actually like focusing on a on a performance as opposed to just like because I used to put shows on for my parents in their basement like I would uh, do different like musical performances and stuff and sing songs and I was obsessed as a kid I was obsessed with <laughs> I was obsessed with Gallagher the comedian oh yeah I love so, Gallagher I, <laughs> because I used to stay up late and I would mm-hmm. watch the Gallagher comedy specials and like right. I had them memorized like I had them completely memorized so like I would bring my parents down to like the basement, like where they had like this, like they'd renovated like a little tiny kitchen down there. Uh-huh. And like I went through this whole Gallagher stand up where at the end where Gallagher would be smashing watermelons, mm-hmm. I pulled out a hammer and I had like a little like yogurt thing. <laughs> yes. And like I had it there and I and I uh, I looked my mom in the eye and she goes, don't. And I said, don't worry, I'll clean it up. And smashed. <laughs> And smash the yogurt. So they were like, hey, let's like aim this at something, which I appreciate because nice. I can't promise I would have had the same reaction. Sure. Uh, but they were like, let's aim this somewhere. So they put me in these improv classes and it just it took off from there because I was already very theater familiar because we would uh, make the drive up to Pittsburgh to see touring shows. Um, I'd been to see shows on Broadway at that point. Wow. And so I was familiar with the art form, but it wasn't something that I had experienced. Sure. And so um, this was my start of it. And I honestly, I did that first improv class. And then Hillary Phillips, who was the uh, the instructor, and mm-hmm. like she was in charge of the whole thing. And so she was like, hey, um, we do musicals as well. Would mm-hmm. you be interested in that? And I was like, yeah, of course. And so... It took off from the, and then I did not stop and I have not stopped yet until this lockdown, which is <laughs> oh, screeching no. everything to a halt all these years later. <laughs> that's that's great. So you show up at uh, Disney World in Florida and you've already got mm-hmm. all this experience and uh, you start rehearsals. What was it like for you for a guy that already pretty much has all the skills in his toolbox? Were, were you bored or were you enjoying it? What was it like? No, no, it's wonderful. Um. It's always been, I've always, I've always enjoyed the rehearsal process, especially mm-hmm. because it's uh, one, there's the, my favorite thing about the performance industry in general mm-hmm. is the way that we tend to connect with each other sure. when we find each other. And so whenever you get into any form of rehearsal process, you tend to find this, uh, this uh, instant camaraderie. Oh, and so that was, that was, well. that, mm-hmm. yes. So that's, that's like the exciting thing. And I'm like, Ooh, this is fun. I, 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 I'm excited to be a part of this and I'm learning something new. And at that point, this was like the most money I'd ever been paid to perform. So I was wow. like, Oh, this is, this is wonderful. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and now I've come in and now I'm in the union and I'm going to have health insurance and like all these good <laughs> things. And I'm like, I'm so excited. And Festival of the Lion King was a show I'd seen before and loved. And so like it was all these all these layers of 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 goodness, uh, goodness, of <laughs> yeah. goodness, the things to be things to be grateful for. And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was all the way hype. What were the accommodations like that they put you up in? Because you're. You're just the first person that I've ever interviewed that uh, is still you know, from another state that they wanted and plucked down to uh, uh, Disney uh. World. And I'm just curious, mm-hmm. I mean, did they give you some money to go find a spot? Uh, how did it go? So they uh, they gave me a relocation package, wow. which now in retrospect was very modest. But at mm. the time, <laughs> it was very exciting. Sure. And so I was like, oh, okay. So they gave me enough basically to they gave me enough to fly down mm-hmm. and what would cover my it's, it was enough to fly 
with two bags and enough to cover, I think, like, my first month of rent. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, okay, enough to, like, get you in and set up and, like, you're good. So that was the that was the reasoning behind me and my mom driving down. We're like, if we drive down, we can stretch this to last this much longer. And so like we, because I'm coming straight from school, so I have no savings. And sure. so I'm like, okay, I need to get in and start actually working so that mm-hmm. I can like take care of myself. So we made the drive down. And so I remember they gave me like a, it was like a little MasterCard that that I used, my relocation MasterCard. <laughs> and I stretched that thing as far as I possibly could. Nice. <laughs> Well like done. there still might be like five bucks on it. Like <laughs> if I could find it, there still might be five bucks on that thing. Cause I was like, listen, I'm going to get food on this. I'm going to do everything I can with this relocation money. Was there a little uh, Mickey symbol on it by any chance? There definitely was. Uh, there had there to has be. to there be. Had to be. Sure. There had to be. So you make it through uh, rehearsal. Uh, do you remember mm-hmm. your first time ever performing to a live crowd? I don't. But part of that's because I did Festival Lion King for so long. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I cannot... I can remember the rehearsal process. Sure, let's super, go with that then. Super uh, well. Like I can remember rehearsing with people. There were people that were already in the show and like mm-hmm. everybody was so accommodating. And I can remember I can remember the first time that like I was doing like a dress run and actually mm-hmm. like figuring out the timing with everything. And then they had all the puppets going and you had like the birds flying and like all this stuff. I remember the first time they actually set the fire knives on fire with me on mm-hmm. stage. And I was like, uh-oh. Uh, but <laughs> but I, it was so cool. And so like uh, getting a, getting more and more comfortable with that and like getting to the point of like where you're not, you don't even think about it. Like you don't mm-hmm. think about that there's active flame on stage with you. And you're just going back and forth with this uh, this other performer. So any more uh, fun stories or anecdotes about your time uh, at the Lion King, the festival of the Lion King? It stretched a long time, actually, mm-hmm. because it was like I started there. So that was 2005 uh, where I started with Lion King. And then after that first year when they were prepping to open uh, Finding Nemo mm-hmm. at Animal Kingdom, uh, Mike Cork has got in touch and was like, hey, how would you feel about covering a track or two there so like i could sub in at nemo mm-hmm. um and i was like especially as with the to open it as, as a sub i was like mm-hmm. yeah absolutely because then i get to like so i came into finding nemo uh with the whole rehearsal process of the show being created oh nice which is exciting but also difficult because we so like the main cast would rehearse and then we would rehearse always like just like behind them so like as mm-hmm. they were like building things and figuring things out then they'd be like, okay, this is what they learned. Now let's teach it to, to the subs. Like, cause mm-hmm. we, and so it was such a, it was such a fascinating process to see from that, from that POV, as opposed to like being in the middle of it. Um, and everybody was really sweet and like, uh, everybody was really kind. And again, I made, made that, that instant connection with, with people. And so it was like, and so then like, as you go into 2006, then I'm starting to bounce back and forth where park operations would be like, okay, if I was at Lion King, but they could cover at Lion King and they had a hole at Nemo, they're like, okay, we're going to pull you to Nemo. Mm-hmm. So I'd like jump over there, which was like, which was fun. And it kept it exciting and kept sure. it fresh. Um, and then like, there were a couple times where it was like really last minute and like they would make the drive over, pick me up at Lion King, then drive me like through all the back paths at Animal Kingdom to get to Nemo and to do those shows. And so uh, I was covering Bloat, the Blowfish, and it was fun. It was really fun. It was a blast. Again, a huge different type of show and learning experience. And like the the puppetry was such a big part of it. And the uh, 
uh, finding different ways of expression and like as I'm bouncing around between characters and it was it was a really a, another really unique uh, experience in the park and I oh I miss the ex- if I miss anything the most it's the way that how exciting it was mm-hmm. in the park because it was like I mean it was exhausting as you as you know sure like, theme park work is exhausting work <laughs> it's it's repetition over and over and over again and it is uh, you don't always feel. Uh, you don't always feel appreciated by the audience or by your employers sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, there's such a, because everybody's in that boat, there is mm-hmm. a genuine adrenaline rush to being able to accomplish something on such a short time scale. Sure. And being able to f- make someone respond or feel something so quickly when you don't have the luxury of a two or a two and a half hour show. And so, like, I, I will always be grateful for, uh, if anything, uh, learning to be economic with my, with my uh, performances. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an important skill to learn in the theme park world. So, what was it like for you living in Florida compared to West Virginia? Fine, hot. Yeah. <laughs> Very humid. Uh, but I had um, like like I'd always I'd always been I traveled a lot as a kid, so sure. I was never. Still to this day, I don't attach to locations mm-hmm. as much as I attach to the people at them. And so, like, I'm, I've always been flexible with where I am. Uh, when I moved here to London, I moved from New York City. Mm-hmm. And that was like, like, yes, there's a cultural difference. But I was like, this is easier because everybody at least speaks the same language. Sure. I lived in Germany. I've lived in Japan. Right. So I'm like, OK, everybody's still speaking English. So this is a much easier adjustment. But um, I'm always kind of okay where whatever location I'm in, as long as as long as I find uh, find my my um, bubble of comfort with right. It. And so of course, I uh, I definitely enjoyed Florida for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't miss Florida. <laughs> I don't miss living in Florida. Me either. Um, if I miss anything, it's the uh, the uh, the cheap Chinese buffets. Sure. Um, <laughs> But um, it, it's uh, and some decent sushi, surprisingly. Sure, it wouldn't be my jump back to like. And I've visited since. Mm-hmm. I was actually supposed to visit uh, in April. At the mm-hmm. beginning of April, I was supposed to visit for WrestleMania, which is going to be in Tampa. And so I was going to fly into Orlando, like meet up with my old friends from Disney, mm-hmm. drive down to Tampa, go to WrestleMania, drive back to Orlando, spend a couple more days at the park, and then fly back to London. That did not happen. With the uh, the global pandemic mm. that is going on, but bad. but um, uh, I, I, like I'm sure I'll still like because there's people there I'm still in touch with mm-hmm. on a regular basis, and I'll, and I'll hold on to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my my family is basically they're like somewhere in Georgia, somewhere in Florida, so I'll never mm-hmm. be able to escape it wholly. Um, yeah, that's yeah. okay. Uh, so how did things come to an end for you at Disney World? Well, so 2016, learn Nemo. Mm-hmm. Then uh, summer 2016, I auditioned for Universal Studios Japan. And mm-hmm. so I just go in to the audition, sing a song. It was very general. Like it wasn't like I was walking in for something specific. Like mm-hmm. with with uh, the Festival of the Lion King callback, like when I was, because I'd done a general audition, but then once it was, I was speaking with, with uh, Mike Corcus, I knew what I was auditioning for. With mm-hmm. uh, Universal Japan, it was just like I literally just came in, sang a song, and then the callback process started very quickly. And mm-hmm. so it was like, hey, look at this, look at this song, look at this. Um, and honestly, before I left that day, 
they were taking my measurements in the <laughs> so it was very fast um and then i got the offer to go uh do the blues brothers at uh universal studios japan oh, which nice. is where i met Randall Harbowski. uh what drove you to audition for universal japan i mean you've been living uh high on the hog as a big time contracted uh <laughs> disney world um performer i mean were you just bored and ready to move on to something else were you getting the travel bug what was going on um, it was an exciting opportunity. I'd never been in Japan at that point. So mm -hmm. I was like, hey, um, this is a chance to live and perform in another country. Sure. Money was okay. And mm -hmm. it was just like, yeah, this would be an exciting, an exciting step to take in my career. And so like at this point, I wouldn't even call it forming a career arc. It was just like, okay, where's the the work that excites me? You're just going with the flow, sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. very much so. Mm -hmm. I let Disney know. Um, they were very sweet. They're like, okay, okay. They're like, please get in touch if you're when you're back in the country. Um, we always need subs and stuff like that. I was like, great, no worries. So to clarify, they didn't like cut you all loose completely. You were still sort of in the system and they were like, when yeah. you come back, okay, all right. Yeah. And at that point, at that point, there was it was way less restrictive on like how long you could be away. Like because mm -hmm. I because I was gone for two years. Wow. So I was doing Blues Brothers along with like other like uh, special performances and special events. And like we did a we did a we did a whole thing. We were like out on the lake on New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. We sang for that. And like there was all kinds of different events and stuff that we did. And I and I spent a lot of time in a bluesmobile with Randy for that first year. And so we overlapped <laughs> that first year. Then he ended up leaving and I stayed for another year. My best friend of the planet, Digger Howard, he and I, he was in the show with Randy and mm -hmm. I, and we, we have stayed. Honestly, that's, that's the, that's the tightest friendship I've ever like maintained in my life. And I'm like, I, we did that at a theme park singing outside in a hundred plus degree heat in suits, sweating, like, sweating to every nook and cranny of my own body and just <laughs> just just sweltering and we had a uh, that first summer or the second summer second summer where they they had like they had uh like seasonal cicadas that that like are every six or seven years okay and we happened to be there that year where we're on stage <laughs> literally ducking cicadas as they're they're flying at us and mm -hmm. if there's anywhere where i truly learned the marathon of theme park performing. Uh, so going into that second year, there was like a whole, our first year was actually pretty smooth where we come in, do either usually three shows a day. Sometimes we'd have a two, sometimes we'd have a four. And so, but it was like, okay, for the most part, it was three shows a day um, and you're off two days a week. And so I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is chill. That next year, uh, the whole scheduling for the park changed and they dropped a cast of Blues Brothers. So there were less, cast doing it but they were still trying to maintain the same show number so it ended up where we were doing three to four shows a day um consistently two like maybe like once a month or something mm -hmm. um but we were consistently doing these either three or four shows a day the problem was we would do show one and show two in the morning then we would have oh no randy was definitely still here when this happened because right. we would have what ended up being like a four to five hour gap mm -hmm. and then doing another show in the evening because we started sharing our stage with another show and so like they tried to like leave a variety through the day mm -hmm. so i got it from a from a theme park perspective from like a park operations sure, perspective sure. but from a performer perspective you're literally doing two shows Go, getting completely cold sitting there where we would play we would play uno 
We would watch the same movies over and over again. We'd usually end up going to uh, the city walk and eating mm-hmm. most of the time. And like we would sit there as a cat, but we spent, it, w- it was like a nine to five, but not a nine to five. Right. <laughs> like, and so like I'd leave, I'd leave my apartment in the morning, be at the park all day, do that last show, go home, pass out and get up and do it again. And so it was really that second year really wore me down. And so it was coming to the end of that where I was like, I need to, I need to head back. I was like, I need to head back. I'm, I'm burnt out. I was like, I'd, I'd like to try and head back with a job as opposed to just jumping back to the US. Um, and so I sent an email uh, back to, to Disney saying, hey, I'm finishing <laughs> up here in Japan. If there's any auditions coming up, I'd love to know. I'll be back in the country on these dates. Um, I can, I'm available to sub from this point forward. Um, if you need anybody to jump in, just just laying myself out there, be like, sure. whether that be at Nemo or at Animal Kingdom, whichever one. Mm-hmm. The next day, I got an email back that said, "Hey, um, we actually have an opening. <laughs> wow. Would you like to come back into Lion King?" And I was like, "Yes, I would." So, <laughs> man, you live a charmed life. <laughs> <laughs> It timed but, uh, out. It timed out incredibly well. It timed out incredibly well. Before we get uh, back to Disney World, uh, let's talk mm-hmm. some more about USJ and Japan. Yeah. What did you think about Japan as a country? I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I consistently believe that if I could, with the way that I, the way that my career works, and the way that I gig now, if mm-hmm. I could do that. In Osaka, I would do that in Osaka. Osaka is my favorite place I've lived. And that's me saying, as someone who does not get attached to places, right. if there's ever a city that I genuinely miss, it's Osaka as a city. It was wonderful. I thought the people were wonderful. Yeah. Um, I had a great experience. Um, yes, it was exhausting. Uh, but in Osaka, I started to, that's the first place where I started to uh, write my own music, mm-hmm. uh, something I still do. Um, Great. That's the first place that I I really started to uh, try to expand myself as an artist as opposed Mm -hmm. to just, that's where my aspirations changed, where it changed from like, okay, let me just go gig to gig to gig to like, well, how can I form, form a, an arc of a career that is something that, something that I would love to, to continue. And yet that all happened, that all happened in Osaka. And I felt like I grew up in Osaka, like I, I became the adult version of myself, despite my years. Traveling um, to another country will do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I came back um, married when I went on my foreign contract, so <laughs> I know what, what you're saying. What country did you go to? Singapore. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Three years there. It's remarkable, and it's remarkable it that because you, you find a different connection to yourself, uh, yep. and, you, and you, you can really clear out the noise and figure out who who am I now and who would I like to be? Who would I like to be? And Absolutely. What, what is, what can I push as the attainable? And so like, that was the first time I started like figuring out like, okay, let me build like, uh, uh, like a five and a 10 year plan for where I'd like to hit and like things I'd like to accomplish, things I'd like to learn. Um, I taught, I taught myself to play guitar when I was in Osaka. Cool. I, 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 I really tried. It's the first place I started video editing in Osaka. It's the first place where I started teaching myself how to uh, record audio, like at home. Like I was like, yep. okay, let me build a home studio in my tiny apartment and actually learn how to do this. Um, and it's one of the reasons why you were able to accomplish all these new things is because you had an additional amount of downtime you wouldn't normally have. I mean, that first year, maybe not the second year. <laughs> Honestly, I had less, I still had less downtime. Uh-huh. Um, but it was just, 
It was, it was, I don't know. I don't know. It was, I think it was age thing. Maybe (laughs) it was an age thing. It was who I was at that point. And I was like, do I want to, do I just want to like keep uh, sliding from spot to spot or do I want to take some initiative and some control over uh, the projection of, of myself as, as an actor, as a singer and as a performer? Yeah. That's the big thing because there's only so many theme parks and so many roles and positions in those theme parks and you can only go so far, you know, you can only Uh, go so far. You can only go so far. And so like, I mean, there's people who are, there's people at festival Lion King now who were there when I was there in 2005 mm -hmm. and they have, this has been their arc, but there's this, they have this bliss in that. Sure. And there is, if this is where that's, that's the, that's the pieces that they want and that they're comfortable with. And so Osaka gave me the space, the mental space and the maturity to say, well, what is my, what is my uh, state of contentment? Where mm-hmm. is that? Yeah. Um, and is it? And, and honestly, Osaka is the first place where I realized that I, as a person, uh, will always have an ever expanding space of contentment for as far as my career goes where it's a i've called it i've said it before it's a, a i call it terminal dissatisfaction <laughs> oh, it's man. not that i'm that's a great not that term I, yeah. <laughs> it's not that i'm unhappy it's not that i'm ever unhappy in a in a role or in a job or in a gig but it's always okay i love this now how can i take this and grow it into something else uh, I, I feel the same way i just didn't have a cool term for it <laughs> now you do. You can use it. You can use it. It is not trademarked. Oh, great, great. I'll just write that down for later. <laughs> um, so what did you think about working at this park compared to Disney World? I was surprised by how similar it felt, mm-hmm. but also, I mean, you have the cultural differences, which is where sure. the only thing that where things felt different. But I was like, oh, these all operate the same. And I had that same eye-opening experience when i when i uh i made my broadway debut in aladdin Mm -hmm. and i had that same experience when i was in rehearsals and i was like oh it's it's still just it's still just theater right right. it's just everybody else is really good too like i was like (laughs) like, i was like oh okay okay it's the same like we're still rehearsing the same and like all those things that are in place all work and so like because like there was i had this like fear of like oh it's going to be different it's going to feel different but Mm -hmm. like it was the same thing at uh universal and when i got there what was interesting so i came i came in a week late um and there was a big push that they didn't want me to show up a week late they're like the rehearsal started at this point but uh with my disney contract i was like i wasn't going to leave disney short and they're like they needed that week and i was like i and so I remember this conversation, this back and forth of being like, if I can come in a week late, I was like, I promise you I'm a quick study. I'll pick up on it and we'll be good to go. And so they were really, really reluctant to allow me to start my contract a week late. Wow. So I get there a week later after everybody else and we're all learning the show. And so I come in and they're like, okay, this is actually the first time I met Digger. And they were like, because uh, Digger was the, uh, the show captain. And so mm-hmm. they're like, Digger's going to teach you everything that they've learned so far. Um, and they're gonna. They're like, it's gonna go really fast just to see how much you can learn in a day. And so I ended up learning the whole show in a day wow. and retained it and retained it, and then was caught up in uh, in twenty four hours. Now I was jet lagged and I couldn't sleep. Right. And so I was like, I was like, yeah, let's go. Just give me as much information as possible. Sure. And I learned the whole show in a day. And I'm, Digger and I still talk about that sometimes, where it's like, oh, Trevor came in a week late, 
and learned in a day what everybody had been learning for a week. And uh, <laughs> it was kind of off to the races from there. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, any other stories about your time at USJ? I mean, if we're talking, okay, so we were talking Kennywood arcades. We were talking like our, our love of like amusement park arcades. Sure. The arcade at City Walk at USJ <laughs> is my favorite arcade I have ever occupied. Like we would go and play so much Mario Kart. <laughs> so much, so much Mario Kart because they had like that was the first time that was before you would see them in the U.S. where they had like the big Mario right, Kart race. Right. Like now you see them all over the sure. place, but at that time you didn't. And so I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> so that Mario Kart House of the Dead, um, but Classic. like I would spend because I'd have like that three four hours between shows, and I was like, "Okay, let's eat now. Let's go to the arcade, <laughs> like, just sit there and play video games," which mm. is a horrible waste of the money that they're paying us. But there no. we were, <laughs> there we were, killing time and uh, and uh, making the best of a, of a long situation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if we're talking like theme park arcades, uh, that's that's the one. That's the one. I don't know if it's the same. I haven't been back in. Last time I went to visit was that would have been 2016. In the beginning of 2016 was the last time I went back to visit Osaka. Very cool. Yeah, in uh, Singapore, the arcade is still alive and well for the most mm -hmm. part. Um, I think that's probably where I first saw that Mario Kart as well. Um, and yeah, it's just a cultural difference. You know, everyone in the U.S. just likes to stay home and play their consoles, and uh, nobody yeah. wants to stay home and. In Singapore, because they live with you know several generations of their uh, yeah. of their yeah, family, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so they want to go out to the arcade and stuff, which uh, which worked yeah. out great. Absolutely. Uh, so you head back to Disney World in Florida, mm -hmm. and uh, was it just like slipping right back into the old the old ways? Or what was it like? For yeah, you? it was actually it was a pretty quick rehearsal process, and so uh, uh, Tiffany Corcus, who rehearsed me the first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, ended up rehearsing me again the second time back into the show. And it was very much a, like, because it had only been a couple of years and I'd done it for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, it was an easy transition back into it. And so I was like, cool. Um, so I get into it. And then honestly, almost immediately after I'm into the show, uh, I get the call again. Hey, we're getting ready to open uh, something new at studios, which I'd never worked at like i'd been to and enjoyed i have not been back since the renovation but i loved the old star wars ride the star tours like I was oh obsessed yeah with star tours yeah yeah and so uh and muppets 3d muppets 3d was my favorite Classic. thing yeah of all time mm -hmm. the last thing the last thing that jim henson did before his passing that's yeah, and so heard that. um i was obsessed with muppets 3d like but i loved studios in general like it was always mm -hmm. a blast i was like yes 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 they're like we're getting ready to open a new show the american idol experience and we'd love to have you come in and uh, see how you see how you do as a as a as a sub as a judge. And mm -hmm. so they're like, "We'll come in and like, and and took me through the weirdest audition process in my life. Where <laughs> I'm like, they had singers coming in, mm -hmm. uh, some who were instructed to sing poorly, some instructed to sing well, <laughs> and had us critique them in an entertaining mm -hmm. way. And so like had us and sit in different different combinations of people and stuff." Um, and then again, like a couple weeks later, I got the phone call and they're like, okay, um, they're going to put this new show together and they're going to rehearse you as, as a sub. And mm -hmm. so I, uh, again, made two lifelong friends from that. My friend Austin and my friend Greg, who both now, they were, Austin was a warm up host mm -hmm. uh, and he's worked 
he's worked all over the theme park industry in Florida. Like he's been at Disney at Universal. Like he's genuinely spread throughout. He's been a, a nice. Beetlejuice. Like he's done. He's done all the things. <laughs> um, and so, and Greg, who uh, was a host at at American Idol, mm-hmm. and uh, they both now are announcers for the WWE. And so, wow, we, they both they both uh, operate on on different shows, and it's incredible that we all met there. Mm-hmm. And that was, and that they were able to to maintain this trajectory together. Yeah. But so yeah, I went into the American Idol experience as a uh, a judge one, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Randy Jackson inspired, um, sure. and I got to and I got to uh, pick out some cool outfits to wear, uh-huh. and I got to be a version of myself with the with the volume turned up to eleven, <laughs> and uh, and it was a blast. It was a blast. It was a blast. It was so much fun, because it was like I mean it was difficult in the sense that still. It is still a guest experience, so sure. you're taking care of these guests. Right. And when you have a guest up there who can't carry a tune and you mm. still need to take care of these guests, that can be a challenge. <laughs> but that challenge of it was the exciting thing. And I got to pull back from all my improv training as a kid and the improv training I took all through college. And I was like, oh, I get to just go out there and riff with some other actors who are fantastic. Mm. Um and like it was so much fun. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. American Idol experience was a blast. And so then I'm bouncing back and forth between those two the same way I was initially uh, bouncing back and forth from Nemo. And so like uh, we kept like trying to figure out a time to train me back into Nemo, mm-hmm. and it just never worked out. Like uh, the initial one I was supposed to train back into Nemo, uh, they called about Idol. And so they're like, okay, we'll delay the Nemo retrain. And then there was something else that was going to go back into Nemo. And then we ended up having to go back into rehearsals for Lion King. It was like, it just never lined back up. So I never went back into Finding Nemo. And how do you, how do you feel about that? Were you like, eh, or aw? I wish I could have done it again, oh, uh, okay. especially now in retrospect. Because at the time, I didn't know my, my park days were numbered. Oh. Um, so I wish I, could have, I wish I could have gone back to it. Because then it would have been cool to be able to bounce between the three as well. Sure. But I used to... I used to uh, have recurring nightmares at the time. <laughs> they were going to emergency call me to Nemo and that I wouldn't remember it. <laughs> and I, like that was like my biggest fear it was like, I'm going to go in and I'm not going to know. I'm not going to know what to do. Because there was one point where that kind of happened. Mm. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I don't, and they ended up not using me at the last minute, but it was very much like, hey, could you just go there and wait and, and see? And I was a nervous wreck and I'm like going through the script and I'm trying to remember it. And I was like, I literally haven't done this at this point in maybe three, four years. And then it was like, but I lucked out. I did not, I did not uh, sink, sink the, uh, the Nemo ship Great. as I feared would have happened had, <laughs> I, had I strolled onto the stage. Right. Um, but yeah, so that was so then about 2011 mm-hmm. was the first time I was like, okay, let me just I was just going to sub. I was just going to sub mm-hmm. because I had gone back and forth a couple times to New York um, as I was auditioning for uh Superfly the musical, which was supposed to be Ooh. was supposed to be fast track to Broadway. And so I ended up cast in the workshops for that and we workshopped for 2 years, honestly. Wow. Um, where I was like, okay, so I was kind of bouncing back and forth between Florida and West Virginia and New York, mm-hmm. um, working through these workshops because I'd left. At that point, I was just subbing. And mm-hmm. so like whenever I was between Superfly workshops, I'd go down, I'd be like, okay, I'm available, and I'd sub in as much as possible 
store money and then go back. And like, it was this back and forth for a long time. I'm a guy working in uh, like at your level at Disney World or in other theme parks in uh, Florida. How, like, how do I find out about auditions like all the way up on Broadway in New York? At that point I would check the equity website. Mm -hmm. So like, I, cause it wasn't until when I got back in 2009, I was like, I want to do other things. I want right. to focus back into theater and doing like full plays and full sure. shows. Like I wanted to focus back into that. And so I was auditioning for stuff in Orlando. Like I did a couple shows in Orlando mm -hmm. uh, and Mad Cow and like in around in town. And I was like, okay, how can I, I wanted to do more. I wanted to do more. And I would check the equity websites because mm -hmm. equity would, um, I don't know if it still works that way. I have never, I haven't checked in years, <laughs> um, but where it'd be a posting of like, okay, here are the open calls. Um, cause I had no agent at this point. I was just sure. operating on my own. Here are the open calls for everything. And then I was like, I was the super fly one came up and I'd flown up for auditions before, but mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to fly up for this audition. I'm going to fly, fly myself to New York audition. They were like, Hey, can you come back next week? I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> fly myself back up, uh, do the callback. Um, and then they're like, hey, can you fly back up one more time? I'm like, sure, just fly back up one more time and, and book the gig. That What that did was it, it showed me that I was like, okay, I, I am capable of accomplishing this. So that's why when I hit the point where like, I'd gone for one Superfly workshop where I was gone for two weeks and Disney gave me the time off and mm -hmm. then I went back. And then they were like, hey, we're gonna do another workshop. And I was like, I, one, I didn't want to keep pulling Disney around and back mm -hmm. and forth and being like, so I was like, okay, let me relieve that pressure from myself and from them where they're not, one, having to deny me when I know they didn't want to, or sure. two, granting it to me mm -hmm. when I may still be going back and forth because I know the point of this is for this show to land on Broadway. Sure. So I, that's when I, that's when I initially stepped away. So, but I would look for, on Playbill, they used to post auditions, and on and on the Equity website, they would post Equity-specific auditions for the mm -hmm. union, and that was how I started as my own agent. And so wow. then, actually, I think the third Superfly workshop, third or fourth Superfly workshop, the last mm -hmm. one, um, I actually uh, was when I booked my agent, my agent, because he had another client that was doing it. He'd come to see it, mm -hmm. um, and we met we met in the lobby afterwards because actually my friends of mine that I'd invited knew him well and they were like oh let's introduce trevor to him and like that's i started working with my first agent from from that very cool and and correct me if i'm wrong but and that was the last time you ever worked in a theme park so the last time i worked in a theme park because i was still bouncing back and forth okay um, still so bouncing like, like, gotcha yeah so in december of 2013 mm -hmm. uh was my final shift at walt disney world and so it was i had subbed in at uh american idol mm -hmm. and i didn't know it was my last shift but it was and that's kind of how it goes yeah yeah it's kind of how it goes like it's kind of just it's it's okay it's okay because it's just how it was um so then i left i i went up to my parents house for christmas in mm. west virginia um i just after that booked a gig where i went to tuacon amphitheater in utah mm -hmm. and so i went out there i drove out there because i wanted my car because they're like yeah if you're here you can share a you can share like a cast car and stuff because it was very much like a summer like i was doing three shows over the summer we were going to do the wizard of oz where i was the cowardly lion and like you would do like one primary and then you'd have like two like smaller ones. Sure. Um, but then they ended up making me a principal in Joseph as well. And so I was like, and then in uh, Little Mermaid, I was covered Chef Louie and, uh, 
and uh, said, was the captain on the ship and saying sure. the, the the opening. And so like it was so it was like I was out in Utah doing this, and like literally the day I arrived in Utah, the day I arrived, I get a phone call from Mike Corcus mm-hmm. again. He called me himself. And he was like, hey, how would you like to come into American Idol full time? And I was like, I just, I was like, what are the dates? And he's like, it's like in a couple of weeks. I was like, I just, just got to Utah. Like, like I literally, it was literally as I was moving into my apartment <laughs> in St. George, Utah, the phone rang. And I was like, uh-huh. I just got to Utah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no worries, no worries. Um, he was really sweet about it. And it was just like, he's like, well, when you're, when you're done there, if you're coming back and forth, let us know. And I was like, of course. And that never happened. That mm-hmm. never happened. I never went back after that. Because after the gig in Utah, then I went to, I was in Florida, but I was in uh, West Palm. I was at uh, the Maltz Jupiter Theater. And so then I did the whiz there. Mm-hmm. And then while I was doing the whiz there, I was auditioning for uh, the Aladdin Broadway company to, to uh, take over for as the standby for Genie. Mm-hmm. And so when I booked that, that was in uh, February 2015. Mm-hmm. So then I made my Broadway debut in Aladdin. Um, so while you're I'm still working Aladdin. for Disney? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Just in a different capacity. Sure, sure. Yes. So I make my Broadway debut for Aladdin. Uh, and then while I'm doing Aladdin, and now I'm a standby, I'm covering Genie at this point. But like anytime James Monroe who won the Tony for the Genie, like anytime mm-hmm. he's off, I was immediately on. And I and I got I got to put a lot of reps in and I got to like have a good attachment to the character. And so by the time by that first summer, so February I'd started rehearsals, and then March, April, May, May or June, like I know I'm on for Genie that night. And they're like, hey, uh, like stage management calls me before I get to the theater. They're like, hey, can Trevor come up? Can you come up to uh, the offices? Because mm-hmm. at on Broadway in New York, the Disney offices are above the new Amsterdam theater where Aladdin is. So like you literally take an elevator all the way up to the top. <laughs> nice. And then you're in this massive, this massive office full of like pictures of Lion King mm-hmm. and like Beauty and the Beast and like all these Disney Broadway things all over the place. And so like... I go up there um, and have a meeting with uh, Thomas Schumacher, who's the president of Disney Theatricals. And uh, he's like, I wanted to just ask you directly uh, and ask me if I, was, if I wanted to come and open the West End production of Aladdin as the genie. And I was like, yes, I would very much. Uh, so, I'm surprised it didn't start with, hey, <laughs> you, know, you know, like all the other ones that you got when you were at Disney World. <laughs> Hey, so uh, no, this, this one was a little more. This one was a little more loaded in form. Gotcha. So sure, like, sure. Yes, absolutely. I would love to. And again, at that point, I'd never been to England, um, and so I came over January or February mm-hmm. of 2016, uh, and we did like a press launch thing, and like I had to apartment hunt and all that because they're like, we're going to relocate you for it. And this is a very different relocation package from the initial one. So then in April of 2016, I came and I opened Aladdin on the West End here. Nice. Uh, then in March, and then spilled over into April of 2017, mm-hmm. I went back to Broadway and was the genie there for a little bit. Very cool. Then came back to London and continued the run. Then in uh, August of 2018, I went to the U.S. tour of Aladdin for a couple months because they were going through Pittsburgh, which is close to my hometown. So I'd reached out to the producers and said, hey, um, (laughs) there it is. Is there any way? There it is. There it is. Hey, is there any way I could pop into uh, the Aladdin tour to go through Pittsburgh? It's like that's the closest it's getting to my hometown of Morgantown. 
Um, and I'd love to, that's where I used to see shows like mm-hmm. this. It's literally, so there was a, there was a full circle of that and they were like, this is a great idea. So we ended up doing a, a, a genie swap. You know, if you, uh, if you were a professional wrestler and you're in your hometown, Vince McMahon's going to make you lose. I have to lose. Then yeah, I have to lose. Yeah. I so go you got to now. win. So yes, yes. I got that hometown <laughs> victory, which right. is a, a rare, a rare occasion. Um, and then in October, 2018, I came back, uh, continued the Aladdin run Mm -hmm. and I closed the show here on the West end. We closed in August of this last year of 2019, we closed and I also got to, this was a secret. It's not a secret anymore. So I could say it, we filmed the show here in London. And so, uh, I get to be the genie forever because that will be the initial plan was it was supposed to go into like like movie theaters and cinemas and be like shown and then streamed. But who knows what's happening with that now, but there, the plan is still to stream it. Um, but I get to like, I got to like put my, my forever stamp on the genie at the end of last summer. And then in November of last year, uh, November, 2019 up through the shutdown in March, um, I've been playing uh, George Washington and Hamilton here on the West End. So like, cause I got nice. here and I was like, I like it here and uh-huh. I had momentum and uh, finishing up Aladdin. It was like, it was, it was, uh, uh, I was auditioning before the show. When I knew the show was closing, I started looking for what am I going to do next mm-hmm. and audition for Hamilton. And that's where, that's where I sit today at home, not on stage <laughs> because nobody's on stage. Uh, let me j- jump back there a little bit. So mm-hmm. after you got that call, um, when you just moved uh, to Utah and you just hung <laughs> up, like, did you sit there for a few minutes and think about what was going on? Like, what was going through your head at that point? I was like, damn it. I, because, <laughs> because, because I was like, there was, I knew there's more consistency in the park. And so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like the, the gig I was doing in Utah, like I knew it was a limited time. And I was like, okay. Um, and I knew, uh, Walt Disney World had always been good to me. It mm-hmm. always been good to me and they'd always taken me into consideration and brought sure. me back in and, and bounced me wherever they could. And, uh, even when, when I was bouncing back and forth and just like subbing in, like if I was like, I would let, like, I, I was honest with them. I'd be like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this cause money's tight and I've got to sure. like figure out a way. And like, I always felt like they always tried to take care of me and make sure I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, so I did feel there was a sense of guilt, not guilt, but mm-hmm. there was definitely a sense of like disappointment that I wasn't able to just say yes. Cause sure. I would have loved to have just said yes. Mm-hmm. Cause I loved the experience at the show and it was a lot right. of fun. And I was like, this would have been a cool thing to do. But at the same time, I was excited about the shows I was about to do in right. Utah and about continuing this this idea of career trajectory that I was trying to gain momentum on. And so in that sense, I was like, I knew I knew that it was the right thing to do. And I've mm-hmm. I've never killed one gig to take another one. So like even when I was auditioning for Aladdin on Broadway, mm-hmm. uh, there was an issue where they wanted me to come in for a callback and I couldn't because I had a show at uh, the Wiz in, in at Maltz Jupiter. Wow! And I was like, as much as I would love to just be like, "Hey, Maltz Jupiter, Broadway's calling. I gotta go." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, reluctantly had to tell them. I was like, I, 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 uh, I have to, I have to honor this this gig that I'm doing because I can't, I can't um, burn, can't burn, burn one. Yeah, I can't yeah. burn one, especially one that's like immediately taking care of me and i'm sure. like I, I i i've kind of always prided myself on 
being good to my employers when they're good to me. That's a good rule to have. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> because I think the, uh, in this business, especially your reputation, like your ability always, always, uh, comes first, mm -hmm. but your reputation is what has people come back to you and fire back to you and keep communicating with you and make a phone call. That's like, Hey, uh, you free? <laughs> yeah. You open? Yeah. Okay. So here's a scenario for you. All right. I'm a musical theater guy and mm -hmm. I'm contracted or no, I'm not. This is a hypothetical. I'm not, but mm -hmm. I'm just saying, all right. I'm a young <laughs> up and coming Walt Disney world, uh, singer dancer, and I'm contracted and I've been doing it for a while. And I'm thinking about, making that uh i want to stretch out to broadway as well uh mm -hmm. but i'm scared because i want to uh stick with you know those paychecks that are keep as you said the stability yeah. convince me that i need to reach out and uh, break out of the theme park world mm, i can't convince you you uh -huh. have to convince yourself mm -hmm. um because it is a risk it is a risk, and statistically, it is a small percentage of people that make that jump mm -hmm. successfully. Mm -hmm. It's a small percentage, but that does not mean it's not worth the risk. But it's something you have to, you have to be comfortable with. You have to be, it's a decision you have to make. And so I feel like anytime, if that's, if, if uh, you're swayed into it, mm -hmm. uh, that's, a, that's a breeding ground for later resentment if things <laughs> don't go the way that you hope for them to. And sure. so it's a, it's a decision that everybody has to come to individually because everybody has a different, this business in general, show business overall, the business of performing mm -hmm. for people's consumption <laughs> is brutal and lonely. Oh yeah. And exhausting. <laughs> And you hear more no's than yeses. Mm -hmm. and everybody has their own individual point where they're not willing to keep pushing through it. Sure. And so, or how far they're willing to push. Right. And so if it's what your real desire is, I think always push as far as you can, but know that the odds are not in your favor. Mm. Just like that, uh, dang it, I can't remember that movie. <laughs> The Hunger Games, yeah, Hunger Games. That's it. Yes. Wow. Well said. I kind of ruined it at the end there, but uh, <laughs> I almost want to cut it off there. But we have some fun theme park uh, questions that need lovely, to be asked. Lovely, lovely. Number one, what is your favorite park to go to as a guest? My favorite park to go to as a guest is, oh, okay, Disney Sea in Tokyo. <laughs> that's what they all and say. Because it's gorgeous. Because it's yeah. like it's like a whole nother level. So like, because uh -huh. I like, of course, like, was in Japan is like, I'm gonna go to Tokyo. Sure, I'm gonna go to Tokyo Disneyland. But it is aesthetically on a mm -hmm. whole nother level, and it's because it wasn't designed internally with right. the Imagineers. It was designed externally and then spun into this Disney park. And it's unlike anything I've seen before in my life. It's beautiful. I want to um, go so a, bad. Oh, it's incredible. A close second. A close second is and and most people i don't feel like most people would say this is studios in paris because because so like in paris you've got the two parks you've got like disneyland paris which is your magic kingdom then they've got sure. their little studios but it's so small you can do the whole thing effectively in a day huh. like you could genuinely hit everything in the park eat wherever you want 
ride a very unique Tower of Terror, hmm. ride the uh, the uh, Ratatouille Remy ride, which is gorgeous and fantastic, mm-hmm. um, and the Crush's Coaster. Like, there's just so much good stuff that you can do in a day, and you knock the whole thing out, and you're like, oh, I feel, you don't feel the exhaustion that you do, because you know in Florida, it's going to take, you need like, you need like two days a park realistically sure, if sure. you want to do everything. Uh-huh. And so the ability to come in, especially if you go in like off season, if you go in like January, February and you roll into Disneyland Paris, you could do both parks in one day if you really roll in in the off season. And I think there's a, a charm to that that reminds me of like my Kennywood days when uh-huh. I would be able to go and do everything, experience absolutely everything that's there and then head home happy. Did uh, or have you ever been to the parks out here? Disneyland and Universal. No, I haven't actually. Because haven't they're gone. pretty small too. Compared to Florida, they're, mm-hmm. uh, I find them to be quite small. But the problem is, is that there's tons and tons of people there. So it still yeah. takes a long time to do anything. <laughs> unless, you know, you know, we've been going to parks for who knows how long. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's the off season and that's when you go. When it's not so yeah, hot yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Uh, yes. You know. I also have a fondness for uh, your home park of uh, the uh, the Bush Gardens that you are quite familiar oh, with. Oh yeah, because we used to drive there. We would drive there, and it was such a simple, just a few hours drive. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, we're at this gorgeous park. Oh man, that is like as far as you know, thrill parks go. That's got to be the best looking one. Because mm-hmm. I, I went out to I went to the Six Flags here, Magic Mountain. You know, as far mm. as roller coasters are concerned, I mean, they're everywhere. But that park is ugly, man. I was gonna, I was never a big I was never big into Six Flags. Um, uh, Kings Dominion was all right. Ah, like, I went I there to too. Enjoy, yeah, I enjoyed Kings Dominion. Yeah. Um, Hershey was nice because it smelled nice, but there was nothing to do. <laughs> um, uh, oh, what was it called? What was it called? What was it called? There's another one in Pennsylvania, Ogilvy Park. Um, which was like not really, they were like kind of amusement park, but not really. And so like I never quite <laughs> leaned there, but like, no, that, that specific, because I preferred it to the, the Bush Gardens in Florida because the Bush yeah. Gardens in Tampa, the Bush Gardens in Tampa felt like it was always trying to attain that, that Disney spillover crowd. Yeah. Where for sure. Bush Gardens in Virginia, it was like, no, it was just this, its own unique thing. And it was yeah. gorgeous. Did you ever, do you remember the big bad wolf roller coaster? Yes. Yeah, I love that. That was like, that was like the right age when like I was just sort of starting to get on roller coasters. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. well, maybe not the first time ever, because like there was I remember I went on like Scooby-Doo and Carowinds or something. That's in like North Carolina, (laughs) like maybe when I was like eight or six or something. But these are like, you know, men's coasters. And uh, I don't know if you were around during the time they opened up this ride, uh, Drakenfire, and it was like notorious. It was a coaster, and it was notorious because it gave everyone whiplash. I remember the stories about it because of exactly that. Well, my dad was working there, and we were going there for free, and he was like, son, like uh, if you ride this roller coaster, uh, I'll like buy you whatever you want or like a souvenir or something. And I was like, okay, but I'm closing my eyes the whole time. But, uh, but I wrote it and loved it anyway. And I was like, yeah, you don't have to buy me anything. And like, that's basically when my love of like roller coasters sort of started to blossom, I guess, yes, but also yes. the Loch Ness monster. Did you ever go on that one? Absolutely. Gosh, mm-hmm. now that one's still there. Big bad wolf is torn down. And I think Drakenfire and fire is long gone, but the Loch Ness monster is still there. And that is an oh. awesome coaster. I want to go back and write it so bad. 
I need to go. Yeah. I need to go. <laughs> Road trip. Stop. Listen, if we if we both get flights, we can maybe meet there. Like you'll get there before me, but like <laughs> you can wait a bit. Like we'll catch up. Sure. When all this lockdown stuff is yes, over, yes, you yes, and me, yes, Trevor, yes. we're hitting the Loch Ness monster. I like this <laughs> we'll, plan. We'll like record plan. it and everything. It'll be great. Those like those strong, overly aggressive coasters that mm-hmm. were like those late nineties to early two thousand rollouts where they're like, okay, let's ramp up everything and yeah, really get yeah. like so that is so i i used to love coasters since i was like 7 8 sure, because i would sure. always ride i would always ride them with my dad and he loved them mm-hmm. um until the last roller coaster he ever rode was <laughs> the year that islands of adventure opened in florida we went down that yes. year love we that went part. down that year and we were like we're going to go to every we're going to do all the rides we're going to do everything mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been a massive Marvel fan. And I was Ooh, like, we need too. to finish. I was like, we have to finish at Marvel. It's like, we can't start there. We start at Seuss and work our way around. And yeah. I still go that way whenever I go. I nice. still start at Seuss and work my way around. So we hit Marvel where it's still like, it's still early in the day because it shockingly wasn't that busy. And this was the first year that it, that it had opened. And, um, and we were like, we're going to do, we did the Doctor Doom drop. And we're like, we're going to do uh, Hulk. Mm-hmm. We're going to do Incredible Hulk. That's the last roller coaster my father has ever ridden. Why? Because, not because he died on it. <laughs> not because he died on it. <laughs> but because when we got off, he looked at me and he's like, I can't do this anymore. That's what my wife that says. <laughs> poster beat that old man around. <laughs> he was like, I can't do this anymore. He didn't Aww. eat for the rest of the evening. He's like, I'm done. I'm done. Oh, man. Now, that's a great story. Coaster throwbacks again. So when Everest was opening at Animal Mm -hmm. Kingdom, I was working there. And they had a whole invitation night where they're like, Animal Kingdom Park employees can ride Everest as many times as they want. Park was closed. We're the only ones left in the park. Nice. So we're all going and riding Everest over and over again. We rode maybe four times. I was so nauseous afterwards. But my biggest disappointment with Everest now is that the Yeti is deady. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because that first night, that test night, mm-hmm. when we were riding and the Yeti started going, it, the animatronic was so good and so beautiful and pristine. And I was like, because if there's anything that Disney does incredibly well at their parks, it's always been animatronics. Sure. And he moved so well. I was like, this is unbelievable. I'd never seen anything like it. Then it broke down. Then they tried to fix it. Then it broke down again. Then it tried to fix it. And then they stopped trying to fix it. So now when you ride Everest, the Yeti's there, but it's frozen in place. And they just dramatically light it. Where the Yeti used to full on like swipe at at the the car. And it looked unbelievable. I've never (laughs) seen anything like that. Because they didn't, it wasn't 3D. They didn't use... Uh, it wasn't it wasn't filmed in any way. This right. was the active animatronic looked so realistic and massive. I'm like, oh, I love that ride. I love that ride. Old school thing I want to bring up to you. Uh, mm-hmm. Were you a Disney Quest guy? I've done it like twice. My favorite thing about Disney Quest was the arcade. Thing about, was the arcade. Me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and and that they had a cheesecake factory in there oh. where you you never had to wait. You could just go and order oh. cheesecake. And like, <laughs> That arcade was fantastic. It really though. was like that. It was so good. Disney Quest was like the precursor to all these throwback arcades and barcades mm-hmm. that people are opening mm-hmm. up now. But like they were actually ahead of their time, or or also behind the time at the same time. Yep. Because yep. I remember going in there, 
And this is after like they've already come out with like PlayStation 2 and maybe even PlayStation 3. And then I go and play one of their VR games and I'm like, oh my mm -hmm. God, they never updated anything. Like, nope. and nope. it's, and I still liked it, but I can see why they shut it down, unfortunately. I almost loved it for the, I mean, there's no way that it was making money for sure. like, there's no way it was making money, which is sad because mm -hmm. I love it. Me too. Loved it. Um, and I haven't been back since because now it's not downtown Disney anymore. It's Disney Springs. Yeah, something lame like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but that downtown Disney, downtown Disney, because we would go to Disney Quest, mm -hmm. um, spend like hours and then go to like a movie at the mm -hmm. at the movie theater or go see a concert at the House of Blues. Sure. And like that was my I also would always go eat at uh the Wolfgang Puck restaurant there mm. because the meatloaf was like my favorite thing. So like <laughs> oh or to Wetzel Pretzel. See, you're really taking me back to like <laughs> That's what this show is all about. <laughs> yeah, you're really taking me back to like 2009, 2010 <laughs> where I was like, oh those Wetzel dogs. No, you're taking me back to like 2005, 2006 where I would also go <laughs> To Pleasure Island on the uh, the cast member nights where we got in cheap. We got it. No, we got in for free and we drank cheap for cast members. Nice. Oh, a younger version of myself. <laughs> well, we could talk about theme parks for hours and hours. Um, that that'll be I don't know another episode or a completely separate <laughs> podcast, a completely different show. Uh, just a few more questions here. Um, yes, yes, yes. What was your favorite park to work at? Animal Kingdom. It was gorgeous. Okay. It was gorgeous. Right. It was gorgeous. And I got to, uh, there was a point where they took the cast and they took us in like, they took us in like small groups where we all got to go up and above and watch them like tend the elephants. Mm -hmm. And that, I'm an elephant lover anyway. And so that experience, uh, I will never forget because I was like, oh, this is unbelievable to get to sit up above where the elephants are and watch them just that's cool tend them watch the way that they move them in and out and like how careful they were with them and i love one of the things i loved about animal kingdom is that they genuinely it never felt like a zoo like mm -hmm. it was like they genuinely cared about these animals the appeal one of the big appeals of why animal kingdom is my favorite still is and i've never i've never gone and done the 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 avatar stuff one because i i think it doesn't really fit into the park right like, that's my opinion um but i i just i just uh i, I love the 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 careful treatment of sure. of all these creatures and so that's always been something that's big for me cool uh what is your favorite ride of all time my favorite ride of all time is Universal Studios Back to the Future. Ooh, yeah, that's that's a good. See, when the Simpsons ride came along, I had very, and I love the Simpsons. Me ride. too. I, I love the Simpsons. I ride. had very mixed emotions about it, but mm -hmm. um, I said it on one of the past episodes here. If the Simpsons ride wouldn't have come about, then I probably never would have gotten the job at Universal to begin with. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, uh, but yeah. Back to the Future was great, and I love the it Simpsons was, ride, too. But I remember riding Back to the Future, like, mm. around, within, like, a year or two of when it opened. Wow. And the technology at that time was like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> I've never experienced anything like that. Mm. And I love those type of rides anyway, so, like, sure. to branch off of that, I enjoy the Simpsons ride because it's that same, sure. that same type. I enjoy uh, the Spider-Man ride because it's that same type. Uh, the Ratatouille ride, the Remy's Remy's ride in in Paris is that same type of like experience, mm -hmm. and so those are have always been like my favorite type because of 
that Back to the Future one. But that Back to the Future ride is like hands down. I you you laugh. Um, it's a blast. Like the first time we got like swallowed by the T Rex and then spat back out. It's it's such a shame to me that it's not accessible anymore. I like, feel the same way about Terminator Two 3D. Yes. Uh. Oh, thank you. I love <laughs> like it's so hokey and ridiculous, mm-hmm. but I loved it. I love Terminator oh, Two yeah. 3D. Mm-hmm. I loved uh, Jaws. I love Jaws. Is Jaws still anywhere? Are there any that are still operating? So. I don't think so. Oh, I love Jaws. I loved the original King Kong that was in mm-hmm. that was in Orlando. Yep. yep. Um, but yeah, that was my but that was my because that was my childhood, and so like I have yeah. that nostalgic tie to those rides. You're a USJ guy. I think they used to have a T2 3D there. Uh, is it still there? Oh, very cool. We shared a dressing room with them, so like. Uh, some another one of my lifelong friends, Mike Rayner, uh, was a Terminator there, Australian guy who who still lives in Osaka, and so we shared a dressing room. Blues Brothers shared a shared a green room mm-hmm. with uh, the Terminator, the Terminator team, and so we would all sit in there and play Uno, or we would watch <laughs> nice. wrestling, or we would like like we just we would we would occupy the space together. We had a blast, yeah. Very cool. I loved I loved that. I loved T2. Is there anything else that you would like to promote while you're on the show? Maybe some of your own music or something like that? Yeah, actually. So today is the 17th of uh, May. On the mm-hmm. 15th of May, two days ago, I uh, released an EP with my band, uh, Neighborhood Goliath. And so Neighborhood Goliath, actually, the, the project started in Orlando when I was there. And nice. so um, it's kind of like changed and evolved and like it's but it's always been something that it's the the name under which i've i've produced and worked with different musicians Mm -hmm. and like we i kind of uh over six weeks during this lockdown period uh i um completed this ep and so the ep is called your fears will not be soothed um it's uh it's a it's a the narratives like uh taking self-destructive tendencies and like self-reflecting during uh, a time of global pandemic and quarantine. And so it's uh, seven songs I'm really proud of. It is streaming wherever you can stream. Um, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Google Play, um, you name it, it's streaming there. Um, And I'd love if you check it out. Your fears will not be soothed. I will put all relevant links in the show notes for sure. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Trevor, thank you so much for sharing your adventures here on Theme Park Legends. No, thanks, Steve. Big thanks to Trevor for taking the time to talk to us about his amazing journey. If we can learn anything from Trevor, it's in the entertainment world. Anything is possible as long as you have the talent, the drive, and a good work ethic. You, too, can go from theme parks to wherever your heart desires. And that's going to do it for today's episode. If you dig what we do here, then please tell your friends. And if you've ever worked in a theme park, I'd love to hear about it. And don't forget to join me next time as I continue to unearth even more theme Theme park Park legends. legends. Thanks for listening to the Theme Park Legends podcast. Make sure you retrieve all belongings while exiting the car. Should you forget anything or have any questions or comments, make sure you reach out to us on social media. And remember, have a legendary day. Ah.